وَلَقَدْ أَرُسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ And certainly we sent messengers before you. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We sent messengers before. You're not the first messenger. Musa alayhi salam came. Isa alayhi salam came. Before them so many messengers came. And the prophets of Allah, who were they? Who were they? Angels made of light? Who were they? Human beings made of clay. Children of Adam. They were human beings. رُسُلًا مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ And we made for them أَزْوَاجًا Spouses, wives, وَذُرِّيَّةً And also children. Because it is a human need to have a partner. It is a human need to have you know, children or to have people whom you can call your own. They are part of you. You are part of them. It is a human need. It's a natural human wish. So the prophets of Allah, they were human beings. This is why they were married, they had wives, they had children. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above this need. Because He is Al-Wahid Al-Ahad. He does not need a spouse, He does not need a partner, He does not need children. You see, Adam a.s. when Allah created him, what was one of the first things that Allah gifted Adam a.s. with? After knowledge and everything, what was it? A spouse. Hawa. And then, Soon after, children. So Adam salam was also given a wife, and he was given children. And after him, obviously, every prophet, وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا And Isa salam, yes, he did not get married, or have children, but when he will return, it will happen. Okay? He will also have a spouse and children. وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَمَا كَانَ لِرَسُولٍ And it is not possible for a messenger. أَن يَأْتِيَ بِآيَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ That he should bring a miracle except with the permission of Allah. لِكُلِّ أَجَلٍ كِتَابٍ And for every term is a kitab, meaning is a decree. It is recorded for every term when it will take place, where it will take place, in what manner it will take place, and where is that decree written? Where is it recorded? In the Lawh al-Mahfuz. Now, the people of Makkah, the mushrikeen, those who disbelieve in the Prophet ﷺ, they basically were bothered by two things a lot. Two things about the Prophet ﷺ bothered them a lot. First of all, why is he a human being? If he's a prophet, why is he a human being? Why not an angel? Why not something else, someone else? Or if he has to be a human messenger, then why not someone who is very, very wealthy? Or someone who's got supernatural powers? Why not, you know, an extraordinary person? Why an average human being? And secondly, they would be bothered by the fact that the Prophet ﷺ would not show them the miracles that these people demanded. They would say, how come he does not show miracles to us? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies over here that you are a human being and every messenger before you was also a human being. Because human messenger sent to human beings. Alright? It doesn't make sense that to people, a messenger is sent whom they're afraid of, whom they feel scared of, whom they cannot relate with, whom they cannot talk to whom they cannot seek counsel with, whom they cannot discuss their matters with, in whose life they cannot find an example. It doesn't make sense. So if Allah sent a messenger, it was always who? A human being, who had wife and children, so that people could follow his example. People could relate with him. People could understand him. And he could understand people also. You see, 
Many times it happens that when there is a person who is not married and they're trying to give advice to people who are married, you know, they're told, what do you know about marriage? What do you know about marriage? If there is a person who does not have children of their own and they're advising mothers, what are they told? What do you know about parenting? Right? This is the first thing that people say. If someone has been a loser at business and they're giving advice on business, I mean, people don't take their advice. What do you know about business? What do you know about money? So the prophets were human beings. Why? So that they could understand people and people could relate with them. Secondly, the objection was, how come he doesn't show miracles? And this was discussed earlier also in many verses that miracles are not the source of guidance. Miracles can improve your faith, they can strengthen it, but they cannot bring you faith. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies over here that showing miracles is not within the power of the messenger. The prophets cannot show miracles themselves. The miracles are only shown when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows. You see, Musa salam had the staff, right? At one occasion, the staff turned into a snake. At another occasion, it is causing the sea to split. At another occasion, it is causing water to come out of the stone. So many different things are happening. Was it the staff? Was it Musa salam? It was because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed that to happen through the staff at that moment. I'm sure Musa salam had you know, thrown his staff many times before, but it didn't turn into a snake. It didn't cause water to split. Hmm? It didn't cause water to come out of a rock. Nothing like that happened. Isa a.s. He was also given miracles, but every miracle that he performed, what would he say? بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ With the permission of Allah. So, showing miracles is not within the control of a prophet. This is whose decision? Allah's decision. Prophets are human beings, which means they are servants. Servants of who? Allah. This is why they cannot show a miracle except... When Allah wants. And Allah says, لِكُلِّ أَجَلٍ كِتَابٍ For every term is a decree. Meaning, miracles will be shown, they are shown, but at a time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. So the people of Makkah are basically being told that you will be shown amazing things, amazing miracles, amazing turn of events, but for everything to occur is a due time. يَمْحُ اللَّهُ مَا يَشَاءَ Allah eliminates whatever He wills. وَيُثْبِتْ Or He confirms it. يَمْحُ From ميم حَا وَاو مَحُ مَحُ is to eradicate, to eliminate. So Allah eliminates whatever He wills. From what? From that which He has decreed. Because you see the end of the previous ayah, لِكُلِّ أَجَلٍ كِتَاب For every term is a decree. So remember, that the first thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created was what? The pen. And He ordered the pen to write. Write what? Everything that was going to happen. And the pen wrote it. And everything is recorded where? In Allah al-Mahfuz. In the preserved tablet. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about everything that is going to happen. Now what happens is that according to Allah's decree, when the time of something comes, it happens. According to Allah's decree, when the time for something comes, then it will take place, then it will occur. So, when the pen wrote, it wrote that in the year 2014, on this day of Sunday, at this time, right before 12 noon, 
this person will be sitting here and this person will be thinking about this and this person will be writing this, wearing this, would have eaten this in the morning. All of this was written from before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew about it. Allah ordered that it should be written. And now at this second, as it was decreed that the fan should spin, it is spinning according to Allah's decree. Okay? So when the time for something to occur comes, only then it will happen. Not before, not after. Now the people of Makkah were hasty. Show us something. Show us some miracles. We want to see amazing things. But what does Allah say? For everything is a due time. The Prophet ﷺ was promised victory. The people would say, Oh, how come you're not victorious? How come you're still suffering? Well, because for everything is a due time. But, look at this ayah. يَمْحُ اللَّهُ مَا يَشَاءُ Even though there is a record, everything is recorded, something is to happen at a given time. You know like you have this schedule? Hmm? And according to schedule, things are supposed to take. We go to an event and it says at 5.05, this will happen. At 5.10, this will happen. But then you see that they're falling behind like awfully. Hmm? Now remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a record. But He is not bound, He's not restricted to this. If He wants, He can change it. If He wants, He can change it. This is why it is said, يَمْحُ اللَّهُ مَا He can erase whatever He wills. So he doesn't allow it to take place. He does not allow it to occur. He does not make it happen. وَيُسْبِتْ And he can also confirm it. Meaning, he can allow something to happen because its due time came. Ultimately, what do we see? Ultimately, the decision is whose? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not bound to a record. He's not bound to the wishes and the impatience of people. No, it is his decision. When he wants something to happen, then it will happen. Because وَعِنْدَهُ أُمُّ الْكِتَابِ The mother of the book is with him. The mother of the book is with him. It's his book. And he can change it however he wills. A lot of times you get people who say, how can we do anything or change anything when it's already been written from before? But this verse is you know, the complete answer to that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can change things according to his own wisdom. Exactly. And remember that when something is written, how do you know what is written? Did you ever take a peek at the Larhul Mahfuz and take a look at what's going to happen in your life? So the things that are happening, the things that you're doing, you're blaming Qadr for it? You never saw it. So you cannot blame Qadr for anything. Yes. Bismillah. I was thinking about this 10 uh, night. It's uh, days of du'as, inshallah. Uh, du'a can change the qadr of Allah. So this is the ayat make me understand that du'a is changing the qadr of Allah. Yes. And Ibn Abbas, he said that indeed du'a can repel qadr. And when it repels the qadr, then that is also part of qadr. Meaning that is also part of Allah's knowledge. Okay? So it's really up to you. How much do you strive? How much do you pray? And you know that in these ten nights is Laylatul Qadr. What is Laylatul Qadr? The night of power. And also Qadr means decree. It's the night of decree. It's the night when the angels descend. With what? Min kulli amr. Because this is the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the decrees of His servants to the angels for the following year. So what's going to happen next year in your life? It is going to be given to the angels in one of these ten nights. So you better make dua with all your heart. 
Better make dua for what you want, what you need, the things that you want to change in your life, the improvement that you want to see. You know, give it your best. Give it your best and ask every single night, every single night. Umar anhu he would make dua that, Ya Allah, if you have written us among those who are shaqi, then make us of those who are sa'id, please. So he would make dua that, Oh Allah, if in your knowledge, in your decree, we are meant to be you know, people of the fire, Ya Allah, please change our status. So make dua for the things that you want to change in your life. And make dua that Allah show you next Ramadan. Because you know that people die during Ramadan, they die a day before Ramadan and evening before Ramadan. So make dua from now that Allah show you next Ramadan. In safety, in health, in good spirits, with iman. Make dua that Allah accept your ibadah, forgive you your sins. So this is the time. Yamhullahu ma yasha wa yuthbit wa indahu ummul kitab. Wa imma. And if, imma, if nuriyannaka we show you. If we were to show you, O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ba'da, some of that which, alladhi na'iduhum, that which we promised them. What is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had promised the mushrikeen of Makkah, the disbelievers? What was promised? If they disbelieve, punishment. They were threatened multiple times with the examples of the people of the past. Take a lesson from history. When the people rebelled against their messengers, what was their outcome? They were finished. They were destroyed. So the Prophet ﷺ knew that if my people reject, if they disbelieve, if they continue in this way, sooner or later, they're going to be punished. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Messenger that whether we show you part of that which we promised them, أَوْ نَتَوَفَّيَنَّكْ Or we take you in death. Meaning, whether the punishment happens in your life or it befalls on them after your death. Whether they are punished in your life or they are punished after you are gone. فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ الْبَلَاغ On you is only the responsibility of balagh, of conveying. You are obligated to convey. You must notify regardless of whether you see the results or not. It doesn't matter if Abu Jahl is killed in your life or not. If Abu Lahab is finished, is punished in your life or not. Doesn't matter. That's not your responsibility. That's got nothing to do with you. What's got to do with you is balagh. That is your responsibility. So keep conveying. Convey whether you see the results or not. Do your job. Whether you see Muslims, Islam victorious or not, you have to focus on your part. And that is that you must convey. وَعَلَيْنَا hisab, And upon us is the account. Meaning we can call people to account now in this dunya, in your life immediately, five years from now, 15 years from now, 100 years from now, or in the hereafter. What is our problem? We worry about the hisab and we forget the balagh. When we see that people are being unjust to each other, when there are people who are oppressing others, we wonder, how come Allah is not taking their hisab? How come an earthquake has not already come? How come a tsunami has not already come? I mean, this is what people begin to wonder. How come Allah does not destroy the oppressors? What does Allah say to His Messenger? You don't need to worry about the hisab. You don't need to worry about the hisab. You need to worry about balagh. You have to convey.
very important lesson for us. Because we want the state, you know, of our personal state to improve, our social state to improve, the state of the Muslims overall, we want that to improve. And we keep making dua to Allah to destroy the enemy, to do this, to do that. Yani, that is Allah's responsibility. He knows what His servants are doing. And instead of, you know, calling for punishment, you should be making dua for guidance. How often did the Prophet ﷺ pray against the people of Makkah? How often? Very few. Very few times. And if he prayed against them, if he made dua against them, it was against certain individuals. Because they had really crossed the limits. They had really crossed the limits. What was he focused on? On balagh. On conveying. أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْ Do they not see أَنَّا نَأْتِ الْأَرْضَ That we are نَأْتِ We come الْأَرْضَ The earth meaning we are bringing the earth نَنْقُصُهَا We are reducing it. From naqs, to reduce. We are reducing the earth min atrafiha from its borders, from its edges, from its sides. Atraf, plural of tarf. Do the disbelievers not see that we are literally causing the earth to shrink? That the earth is shrinking in its size physically? Or another interpretation of this is that we are causing the earth to close in from its borders, meaning their freedom is getting restricted. Who's the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ? You see in Makkah, what happened? When the Prophet ﷺ was in Makkah, the Muslims, for them the earth was tight. How? That they were insecure, they were at risk, they were in danger. If they stepped out of their house, if they went, prayed in the haram, if they prayed in their homes even, if they recited the Qur'an, if they declared their Islam, they lost their freedom basically. So the earth was tight on them. But then what happened? Gradually, as the Muslims, they migrated to Medina, a state was established. What happened? Now the mushrikeen, they could not come and go easily to Medina or from close to Medina. Remember the caravan that Abu Sufyan was bringing from Syria back to Makkah. And he was afraid that the Muslims of Medina might attack. So he sent word to Makkah that send an army to defend me. So a thousand people came from Makkah in order to defend the caravan. But what happened? The caravan escaped safely. And the Makkans, they said, we have come all the way. We're not going back without fighting the Muslims. And then the battle of Badr took place. Now what does that show you? That the areas which were free for the mushrikeen before, they had all the freedom. They had full access to it, especially because they were the people of Makkah. They were the Quraysh. Now they had restricted access. And gradually what happened? The Muslims, they made alliances with so many other tribes. Alright? And so the mushrikeen, they did not feel secure everywhere. So the earth was tightening on them. And with the fath of Makkah, what happened basically? What happened? It was completely gone. The earth was so tight for them that they could not live in Makkah. Which is why Ikram bin Abi Jahl, what did he do? He just got up and he left. He went off to sea, boarded a ship, and said, I'm just leaving Arabia, I'm just going to end up somewhere, anywhere where I'm safe. But what happened? A storm came and he realized that if I'm calling upon Allah now, why don't I call on Him on land? So he went back to Makkah and he embraced Islam. So do they not see that we are closing the earth on them? That their freedom is getting restricted because of the victory of Islam? 
Wallahu yahkumu and Allah decides he orders la muaqqiba li hukmihi there is no adjuster of his decision muaqqib one who comes after and makes changes no when Allah has made a decision no one can come after and change it edit it alter it wa huwa sari'ul hisab and he is swift in account you might think that this change is happening very slowly and yes it took you know over a decade 13 years the Prophet ﷺ was in Mecca. Much after that, the fath came, the victory came. So yes, the process was slow. But Allah is sari'ul hisab. He is swift in taking the account. Now remember that the previous nations, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dealt with them was very different. How did He deal with them? That when the people disbelieved in their messengers and their time of expiry came, basically, what happened? They were punished through some disaster. A flood, a tornado, a wind, an earthquake, a blast, something like that completely eradicated them. But the nation of Muhammad wasallam is very different. When the people whom he was sent to, when they disbelieved, an earthquake did not shake the Meccans. Okay? The earth did not swallow them. A flood did not destroy them. Alright? It did not happen. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defeated them, punished them. How? At the hands of the believers. At the hands of the believers. The defeat of the disbelievers did not come with an earthquake, with a blast, with a hurricane. No, it came at the hands of the believers through the victory of Islam, through the fath that Muhammad wasallam was given. Why? Wasn't it more simple to just destroy the enemy with an earthquake? Hmm? It was much easier. Very much possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, think about it. The time when that companion that I told you about, Khabbab bin al-Arat, when he was being persecuted by his master, that woman, when she was heating up those iron plates and putting them on his head, was it not easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to paralyze the hand of that woman immediately, instantly? It was very much possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have done it, but He did not. Why? Because that punishment that this woman was going to suffer was going to come through some other way. And likewise we see Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab, all these people who fought against the Muslims, against Islam, yes, they were struck with natural calamities, but at the same time they suffered at the hands of the believers. Revenge was executed. Exactly. In this way, the enemy was humiliated more and the believers, they increased in their ranks. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sent his Rasul, بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ In order to establish the religion. Allah has sent this deen in order to be established. And the deen is not established with just you know the enemy being destroyed by an earthquake. No. It will be established when the forces of kufr are defeated. The glory of Islam does not come with an earthquake. It comes with the forces of Islam defeating the forces of kufr. And this is the very lesson that we learn in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ also. Allah could have helped the messenger with earthquakes, but He didn't. He helped him through his da'wah. He helped him through the people who believed in him. In Mecca they were weak. 
The Prophet ﷺ continued his balagh, continued his da'wah, and a time came when it seemed as though that flame of Islam would completely finish, but eventually what happened? Victory came. Medina was established. Battles were fought. Muslims and Islam were defended until Fath eventually came and Islam was victorious. So this is something that we need to remember. We keep making dua, Ya Allah, finish the enemy, finish the enemy, finish the enemy. Whether it's another individual in our lives or whatever it may be, we are not thinking the right way. We have to focus on our efforts and leave the hisab to Allah. Leave the hisab to Allah. He knows what His servants are doing. And may Allah guide all of His servants. Think about it. In Mecca, if an earthquake came and destroyed everybody, would Abu Sufyan accept Islam? Think about it. Would he accept Islam? Khalid ibn Walid, would he accept Islam? Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl, would he accept Islam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave time. He gave time to the enemy. And He let them do what they were doing. So we don't need to worry about the hisab. We need to worry about balagh. Think about yourself. What am I doing? What am I doing in order to revive this religion, to revive this faith? My neighbors, do they have any idea about Islam? Do they know anything about the month of Ramadan? Or when they see me, they cringe because they see my hijab and they see an oppressed woman. What are we doing? To clarify the doubts that people have about Islam. To really do da'wah in the right way. What are we doing? What are our efforts like? Does it make sense that we are doing nothing? We're just sitting on our hands and we expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause a natural disaster to occur and everything will be nice and beautiful and pretty? No, it's not going to work like that. It's not going to work like that. We have to work. We have to strive. And it begins with learning the deen yourself. Think about it. How much effort do we put in to understand the Qur'an, to remember it, to study it well? so that we can implement it and convey it to others also. How much effort is being put in to convey it to others? When it comes to the matters of dunya, we take it so seriously. But when it comes to the matter of the deen, it's Allah's job. Like the Bani Israel did. O Musa, you and your Lord go fight, we are sitting right here. Even the previous prophets, even when they were hurt and mocked at by the people that were around them, they didn't gain victory. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't destroy the people around them until after many, many years of hardship. Like Nuh after 950 years of conveying, did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finally you know, save the Muslims and Nuh from the people around them. Yes. So the glory of Muslims, the glory of Islam cannot come except with our efforts. We have to strive. We have to come together. We have to inform others. You know, recently I read a post by Imam Suhaib Webb in which he said that we are basically just informing one another of what's going on in the world. If we are ranting, we rant before other Muslims. If we are complaining, we complain before them. If we are voicing our concerns, any concerns, we are doing that before other Muslims who already know the problem. We should be talking to who? We should be communicating with who? We should be dealing with who? People who don't know. The Prophet ﷺ went on top of Mount Safa. He wasn't addressing Abu Bakr and Fatima over there. He was addressing who? The people of Makkah. So we are literally, you know, in this closed shell. In this closed shell where we think we are doing something very good, 
But the fact is that our efforts are not bringing the right kind of results because our efforts are not directed in the right way. We are doing da'wah, yes, to the Muslims, but only to the Muslims. If we want to advise, we only advise the Muslims. Our efforts towards you know, helping other people are very limited. Very limited. You serve the religion, you do da'wah by telling people about the Qur'an and also by serving humanity. How much is it that we are serving humanity? So this is something that we really need to think about. We really need to get out of this shell. Take Islam to others. Tell them about it at least, so that their misconceptions are removed. Talk to them about it, so that they understand what the Qur'an is, what Islam is. Otherwise, we are far from any kind of glory. Any kind of glory. You see the Bani Israel, we learn about them so much in history. In Egypt only, what happened with them? They were so honorable and they became so humiliated. Why? Because they did not adhere to their religion. Or they kept it to themselves. The ulama, they just kept their religion to themselves. The common people amongst them had no idea. And the people who did not belong to their tribe had no idea about what God had sent. And this is what brought their fall. And as a result, us also... If we don't take this khair to others, we are bringing our own ruin. In Surah Al-Rad, we learned earlier, أَمَّا مَا يَنْفَعُ النَّاسِ فِي الْأَرْضِ That which benefits people will stay. And that which does not benefit others is just like scum. That will, you know, go away after some time. We learned that the Prophet said that the Ummah is like one body, right? But sometimes, like, I saw a post which said, like, just because if one part of the body does something, like, has some problem, it might have been caused by another part of the body. So, like, we take some food in through our mouth or something bad in through our mouth, and then we have, like, a problem in our stomach. So, like, just because, like, some Muslims are suffering, it might not even be their fault. It might be our fault. So we have to fix ourselves. Each person needs to fix himself. In Allah la yughayyiru ma biqawmin hatta yughayyiru ma bi'anfusihim. So each person needs to look at himself. What am I doing to do da'wah? To tell people about Islam. What are my efforts like? Then I cannot say Allah is not helping us. The fault is only ours. Exactly. We have to do our work. And what is our work? Balagh. Balagh is our goal. And hisab is Allah's responsibility. So whenever things get tough, remember Surah Al-Rad is a Makki Surah. Things were very difficult for Rasulullah And again and again, what is emphasized? You have to convey. You have to convey. Keep doing your job, leave the rest to Allah. And this is what brought success to the Prophet ﷺ. This is what brought victory. That no matter how difficult the situation became, he was only doing da'wah. Remember when he went to Ta'if? What happened? He was pelted with stones, he was bleeding, he took refuge in a garden. A man came, a slave, bringing him some grapes, some water, and the Prophet ﷺ was doing da'wah to him. He's doing da'wah to him. He's doing balagh. So our job is to do balagh, to follow the Qur'an, to take it to others, and leave the rest to Allah. وَقَدْ مَكَرَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ And those before them had also plotted. Meaning, people before the Makkans, the past nations, even they plotted 
Against who? Against their messengers. To harm their prophets, to defeat his call. But, فَلِلَّهِ الْمَكْرُ جَمِيعًا But to Allah belongs the plan entirely. He has full control over it. Their plans turned against them. You see, so many people, they tried to harm the messengers. In Makkah also, Muhammad wasallam. didn't the people of Makkah get together in order to kill him? They did, right? But did it work? No. Because we get stuck in this, oh, it's all a conspiracy, you know, this is all a plan to finish the Muslims and destroy Islam. Okay. So, nobody can cause you any harm unless Allah allows. And if Allah allows us to suffer, the shame is not that we are suffering at the hands of people. The shame is that Allah let it happen to us. Why? Because of our own sins. Because of our own shortcomings. So don't get stuck in this. It's all a plot. It's all a conspiracy. If it's a conspiracy, never mind. Allah has greater control over the plans of people. He can cause them to fail. يَعْلَمُ مَا تَكْسِبُ كُلُّ نَفْسِ He knows what every soul has earned. He knows what every person is doing. What every human being is earning. What every person is committing. Our deeds are before our Lord. Him we should fear. Him we should be conscious of. Him we should turn to, seek forgiveness from, and repent to. وَسَيَعْلَمُ الْكُفَّارِ And soon the disbelievers will know. لِمَنْ عُقْبَ For whom is the final home? The people of Makkah, they will find out. Who will have a good end? Did they not find out? Yes. The Prophet ﷺ left Makkah. He did hijrah to Medina. And soon after that, the victory of Islam came. So don't worry about the status quo. Worry about your own work. Always what you have to do. The enemy will know. Who will have stability in the land? Who will have the final home? They will have it or Allah's servants will have in this dunya and in the akhirah. وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And the disbelievers say, لَسْتَ مُرْسَلَى You are not a prophet. They would insult the Prophet ﷺ by saying, you are not a messenger. Think about it. If you were given a certain role and there are people who don't want to accept your position and they say, oh, you are not the principal. I don't accept you as a principal. I don't accept you as this. It's very hurtful. It's very, very hurtful. If you've been made in charge over something, and somebody comes and says, no, I don't think you're in charge. Who said you're in charge? So what? I don't accept it. It's very hurtful. Allah says, yes, the people who disbelieve say, لَسْتَ مُرْسَلَى You are not a messenger. قُلْ Say to them, كَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكُمْ Sufficient is Allah as a witness between me and you. So what if they don't accept? What are they anyway? Who are they anyway? What's the big deal if they reject you? They reject your sincerity, your honesty, your prophethood, your innocence. So what? What's the big deal? Allah knows and that is sufficient. وَمَنْ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمُ الْكِتَابِ And those with him is the knowledge of the book. Their testimony is sufficient. There are those who say you're not a messenger, but there are those who have the knowledge of the book and say with certainty that you are the messenger. Who are those people who were given the knowledge of the book? It refers to the ulama of Ahlul Kitab, believers, Jibreel, 
Okay? So many who have the knowledge of the book, what do they say? With absolute certainty, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So what's the big deal? If there are a few unfortunate people who say, you're not a messenger, ultimately, they will be embarrassed. They will be embarrassed. Ultimately, they will suffer. So again, a very beautiful lesson. People don't acknowledge you, acknowledge your position, acknowledge your rights. Doesn't matter. What's the big deal? Allah knows. Allah knows. And how long can people reject a reality? How long can they do that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extends the rope of the zalim for some time and then He seizes him in such a way that completely destroys him. So if someone is rejecting reality, blind to it, trying to be blind to it, pretending to be blind to some reality, let them be. Very soon the veils will be lifted. Very soon they will see. They will be forced to accept. And it happens in life all the time. Yusuf salam's brothers, they didn't want to accept the fact that Yusuf salam was good. And what happened ultimately? They were the ones who said, لَقَدْ آثَرَكَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا Certainly Allah has preferred you over us. They accepted. They tried to be blind to this reality for very long. But how long could they? So the people of Makkah also again and again, لَسْتَ مُرْسَلَى لَسْتَ مُرْسَلَى لَسْتَ مُرْسَلَى But eventually, one by one, they came and they confessed. They came and they accepted. And those who didn't, they humiliated themselves. Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّن قَبْلِكَ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ وَمَا كَانَ لِرَسُولٍ أَن يَأْتِيَ بِآيَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ لِكُلِّ أَجَلٍ كِتَابٌ يَمْحُو اللَّهُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيُثْبِتُ وَعِندَهُ وَهُوَ سَرِيعُ الْحِسَابِ وَقَدْ مَكَرَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلِلَّهِ الْمَكْرُ جَمِيعًا يَعْلَمُ مَا تَكْسِبُ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ وَسَيَعْلَمُ الْكُفَّارُ لِمَنْ عُقْبَ الدَّارِ وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَسْتَ مُرْسَلًا قُلْ كَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكُمْ وَمَنْ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمُ الْكِتَابِ سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته